bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you're here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Today is First Chapter Friday, which is when I read the first chapter of an indie book and let you know what I think of the book based on the first chapter. I will also include a purchase link in the show notes for you to support these amazing authors, as well as a link to my website, thepickybookwormblog.blogspot.com, where you can participate in discussion questions. Ready? Grab your tea and let's go. Cut, shouted the director on the set of Post Game. Jason Armisen slapped himself in the head. Knock it off, Sheridan, Jason said, clearly irritated. You're losing me. I no longer care about this scene. Someone get him some caffeine. Damn. He shook his head. Then, more quietly, I plucked you out of relative obscurity for this role because I saw something in you. Don't make me regret it. The director stormed off the set, leaving the cast to wonder if they were done working for the day. In his early forties, with dark, wavy hair graying only at the temples, Aidan Sheridan was in great shape and finally making headway in his career. He had paid his dues, as everyone in Hollywood does, always the secondary character, but never the lead. His was the face many recognized, but nearly no one could put a name to. He shook his head, frustrated with himself, and watching Jason throw his hands up in the air. "'Sorry,' Aiden mumbled, following after. "'Look!' Jason spun around and nearly spat in Aiden's face, so close that Aiden could taste the coffee on Jason's breath. "'We are on a tight schedule. You know this. Today has been a total bust. We haven't shot one usable scene, and I have all these people here on contracts. What can I say to get you moving at a pace that might have us out of here by midnight?' His tone was startling, as he was known around town as one of the calmer directors. He didn't need to yell to get the best out of his actors, who now looked at each other from across the room in confusion. How many times are we going to film this scene? His co-star, Manny Alameda, had asked earlier in the week with uncharacteristic frustration. You've been unfocused and scratching at your belly all day. It's weird and distracting. Manny was playing the part of Aiden's former football coach and friend, who was doing his best to keep his retired player from sinking into the abyss of being a has-been. Aiden had ignored the question, knowing that Alameda was generally kind and understanding on the outside, even if working on his last nerve. He had also walked away in a huff, asking if Aiden had come had some kind of sudden onset tick disorder. Get it together, man, or we will have a problem, Jason continued. I've been patient all week, but the producers will not be if this keeps up. You're usually better than this. What gives? I'm fine, Aiden lied. I don't believe you. You look like hell. Get yourself to a doctor and don't come back on set until you're up to the job. He flung his script down on a nearby chair and hurried back to the set. Aiden was about to chase after and argue with Jason that he was healthy, normal, in a good mood, and could do the work. He stopped himself, as he knew Jason was right. 
He really wasn't feeling well, didn't feel like himself, wasn't in a good mood, and maybe just today couldn't do the work. His gut was hurting again, and he was getting tired of it. He couldn't figure out what he was eating that was upsetting his balance this much. Historically, he had an ironclad stomach, and while others couldn't eat spices or lactose or gluten, he was always able to eat anything in the world and not be concerned about it. Even as a kid, he had been willing to try anything. His mother offered sardines and escargot and spanakopita, and now he had a wide-ranging palate for all cuisines. He and his friends had developed some wild recipes over the years and enjoyed seeing who could make the most exotic dish and challenge the others to eat pig's knuckles, sweetbreads, or crunchy duck feet. Nothing was off-limits. This week, it didn't seem to matter what he ate. Oatmeal hurt, bananas hurt, even crackers hurt. So why not eat the linguine fra diavolo? At this point, though, he didn't want to eat at all, which was completely out of character. To play the role of an end-of-his-career quarterback, he had much work to do to get in shape. While accustomed to eating like a king, the mirror told him that the related calories had caught up to him. He had gained 20 pounds in the last few years and had to work diligently to lose them and increase his muscle mass. He was now in the best shape of his life. Thinking about it only made him feel worse, and he skulked off the set without making eye contact with anyone. Having always been good at math in school, Aiden originally thought he might go into business until he was bitten and consumed by the theater bug in high school. On a whim, a friend had asked him to show off for the school's theater program director, and he never looked back. Twelve plays and several musicals later, Aiden completed a college theater degree and was excited to audition for television and movie roles. His mother delighted in celebrating his successes, forcing his younger siblings to come to all of his high school productions and whatever college shows they could manage to attend. His siblings had no interest in acting, but they at least admired his talent. His mother, well, she claimed to love everything he did. Aiden's last project was a docudrama about the Holocaust. The director wove together real footage of Hitler youth training, labor camps, and death machines with fictional depictions of the writer's best estimation of stories he'd researched to be as authentic as possible. Aiden's mother and friends were shaken by how convincingly he had portrayed a despicable SS officer at the Treblinka concentration camp despite the small role. It had left him sadder and more humble than any other in his career, but the satisfaction of being able to step that far out of his comfort zone so successfully was enormous. The storyline of post-game called for a tall, strong man in his early 40s who would be believable as a washed-up football player, someone who was great in his time but played that one extra year and went out on bottom. When drunk, his character would admit that he should have quit when he was ahead, but that he just loved the game too much. His career did not end with the bang of a playoff-winning touchdown or a big come-from-behind win. Rather, it ended with a season-ending interception during the regular season. No playoffs for his team, no accolades from the press, no appearances on SportsCenter or articles on the front page of the sports section. It threw him into a funk, requiring Aiden to play the role of an arrogant, 
but depressed former athlete, which didn't feel quite natural to him. Being a method actor, he had watched old football games on ESPN Classics, interviewed some former athletes, and read many articles on what it was like when a pro football career ended. He did mental exercises to get himself to an emotional space that might mirror his character's feelings and left little to chance. While Aiden's past roles were small, they were effective and moving. And after his audition, Jason had told him that while others could play this role, he didn't feel they would bring the same passion or believability. He had finally made it to a lead role, but today there was something unquestionably off about him. Aiden relaxed late that afternoon in a lounge chair next to his crystal blue kidney-shaped pool. The sound of the water flowing from the hot tub into the pool over and over was lulling him to sleep as the October sun warmed his chilly bones. Having lived for a few years in a suburb of Chicago before coming home to Southern California, Aiden still reveled in the beautiful weather and felt he could never tire of his setup in Pacific Palisades. It wasn't just the weather, although that was the best part, but the people felt more his style. The parties were uproarious and outrageous, and the work, if you played your cards right, was plentiful. Local repertory theater in the Midwest had its advantages, to be sure, but California felt so much more right to him. Just as Aiden was really drifting off to sleep, Corey came out of the house, tray of drinks and snacks in hand, and sat down gently on the chair beside Aiden. Placing the tray on the table next to the chair, he slapped Aiden lightly on his side to signal him to move over, and he laid down next to him wordlessly. It was rare to have Aiden at home much before dark. Their schedules were such that Corey was always home before Aiden. As one of the police dispatchers in nearby Culver City, Corey had worked his way up from the night shift to the day and was home by 5 o'clock. He had just met Aiden when the shift change was approved, and the timing allowed for him to start a life with someone who wasn't crawling into bed just as he had to tear himself away. After they moved in together, and because Aiden's days nearly always went later, Corey became the self-designated chef. It was a role he clearly enjoyed, and he was gradually becoming quite imaginative in the kitchen. The fact that he was also imaginative in their bedroom was more important to Aiden, but the sumptuous meals were quite a nice perk in their own right. As Corey was a health food junkie, he kept Aiden's need for lean meals in mind, and they were both trim and strong. Corey continuously implored Aiden to come out to the world. He said he was proud of their relationship, their living arrangement, and their love for each other, and that no one in Hollywood needed to be closeted anymore. If Neil Patrick Harris could do it, he argued, why couldn't Aiden? In the eight months they had been together, there had been small accommodations, like Aiden being willing to hold Corey's hand in a dark movie theater. It wasn't much, but it meant the ceramic coating around Aiden's reluctance toward public displays of affection had some hairline cracks. He was an actor, building a following of fans. If all worked out the way he wanted it to, it would be naive to think he would be able to keep his sexuality or relationships a secret from the tabloids and blogs. After some quiet time cuddling on the lounge chair and enjoying the beauty of their backyard, Corey asked, Did something happen today? Nope, Aiden offered, eyes closed with no follow-up. So why are you home? You didn't quit the show, did you? 
No, I didn't quit the show. Jason thought I wasn't up to it today. Jason, why? He said none of the scenes we shot today were usable because I was out of sorts or something. He knew he wasn't feeling well, but didn't realize it showed or that his work was suffering. Were you? Out of sorts, I mean. As he asked the question, Corey put his hand on Aiden's leg in a gesture of love and support. Tell me, what's going on? I don't know. Maybe. I haven't been feeling well. I'm itchy and crabby, and my belly hurts, like, all the time. I can't figure out what it is. I eat bagels. It hurts. I eat meat. It hurts. I eat fruit. It hurts. Then sometimes it doesn't, even if I eat something spicy. If Corey had noticed that Aiden was a bit grumpy lately, he hadn't commented on it. Aiden was a proud man, and Corey was generally kind enough not to mess with his ego. Being less than his best, physically or mentally, even temporarily, wasn't something Aiden wore well. Listen, babe, I know it's upsetting to hear from Jason that the day didn't go well, he started. It's never easy to hear that. Perhaps you let someone down. But everyone has a tough day now and then. You'll make it up tomorrow. After several quiet moments, he continued. Aiden, are you hearing me? You don't have to be all things to all people all the time. At this, Aiden's eyes fluttered open. He looked at Corey, seemingly staring right through him. He responded slowly. I don't, and I'm not, apparently. Yes, you are, at least most of the time. You're all that to me, at least. He leaned down and kissed Aiden lightly. Aiden refocused and looked into Corey's big and shining eyes, the soulfulness of which reminded him of a puppy he had as a kid. He looked at him for a full minute, studying his dark and curly hair, his full lips, and his sexy smile. Well then, I guess you can stay, Aiden joked. When Corey moved into Aiden's house within six weeks of their meeting each other, Aiden and Corey's friends all said they were crazy for jumping in so quickly. Oh, thank God, Corey laughed, since I've already deleted the phone numbers of all the guys I met before you. They both chuckled, and Corey suddenly jumped off the chair, grabbed his drink, passed Aiden his, and said, Let's toast to your feeling better quickly. They clinked glasses, and I propose that we do something with this newfound time we have this evening. Come with me. He tugged on Aiden's arms playfully until he stood him up from his chair. Let's go have a picnic in the park. I don't know, Aiden whined. I'm not sure I'm up for that. Of course you are. Everything is ready to go. I will just put it in containers to take with us. Just put on some shorts and let's go. He tapped Aiden on the ass. What's wrong with these shorts? Aiden asked with mock insult. They're boxers for Pete's sake. Get real shorts with some kind of plaid or something. Look like a real person. You never know who might recognize you in the park. You wouldn't want to be caught in your undies for TMZ, right? No, Aiden admitted. I don't want TMZ even knowing I exist. Then he added, You're just what I needed today, Corey. Thanks. After Aiden changed his clothes, he and Corey strolled to the nearby deserted park two blocks away for a light picnic supper of gourmet cheeses, a crispy baguette, some Granny Smith apple slices, and a bottle of Camus Cabernet. After an hour and a half sitting on a blanket, Aiden declared that he wasn't feeling very well again, and they made their way home. Corey held Aiden around his middle for support, as needed, with growing concern. 
Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this first chapter of In Good Conscience by Janice Berliner. I do encourage you to head over to Amazon. I will include a link for you guys. Um, I encourage you to go and purchase this book if you are at all interested and help support this amazing person and amazing author. I hope you guys enjoyed this and I will see you guys next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.